My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. This week, we are going to be talking about not an insect, but definitely something you can find in the landscape this time of the year, and that is chiggers. Those are going to be the first instar or the first stage that hatches out of the egg of a particular type of mite. And it's only problematic in that first stage for humans. Otherwise, they just go about their merry business and you don't have to really worry about them. But I know me, myself, and I have been personally dealing with chiggers this year. And I have been very frustrated. Chiggers are going to be a problem for people that walk through a chigger-infested area, but the problem that I know I always have is you don't know that you're in a chigger infested area until hours later when you start getting these itchy red bumps showing up on your body and they make me miserable and I seem to be a chigger magnet. Do you guys get a severe reaction to them? I actually don't get a reaction at all. I don't think And I am sure that I've gotten into them. There's just no way I could not have gotten into them. When we do our summer camps, one of the parks that we use, the kids will get it so bad, but I never do. And my volunteers also do. So I'm assuming I just don't have an allergic reaction to them, which is very lucky because I have an allergic reaction to kind of everything else in the whole wide world. So I think I kind of hate you a little bit now. (laughs) Well, you know, because if I did get into them and I did have an allergic reaction, I would just chew my own legs off, I'm sure. So it's (laughs) just God's way of giving, cutting me a break. (laughs) I do have a reaction. I typically plan ahead. I'm very aware, make myself very aware of when I'll be out and the type of area I'll be out in. My one memorable adult experience was when I was interning for Molly and we were doing some mosquito work. And at the very beginning of the summer, I got into chiggers and purchased my first pair of collection boots. And since then it's been pants tucked in the boots and deet. Yes. If I know that I'm going into some area that has chiggers or might possibly have chiggers, you know, wading through high grass or whatever, when I'm trying to collect stuff, I got the pants tucked into the socks and the boots on and you got the deet on and I'm prepared. But unfortunately, my experience this year This woman was having a problem with one of her trees, which turned out to be sap suckers, which is a completely different topic. But I toured her yard because she had this amazing yard with a bunch of native plants. And I was like, oh, this is fabulous. And the next day I start having these little bites or welts or whatever show up. We always tend to say as entomologists, because we get this question all the time, you know, what bit me? We always tend to say we can't really tell from the bite because a bite looks like a bite looks like a bite and people react differently to things. But with chiggers, they tend to cluster in certain areas and they're usually the uncomfortable spaces. So (laughs) it's usually where your clothing is either tightly fitted 
or behind your knees or your armpits. I know around the ankles, if you just have on regular socks, your waist and kind of your underwear and for women around the bra area. So I had these chigger bites and I knew that they were chiggers because they were in some very uncomfortable areas, ones that you don't want to really itch in public. So (laughs) I was just like, I know these are chiggers. I don't know where I got them. And so I thought that I might possibly have gotten them when I was walking around that woman's yard. And I was like, that doesn't really make any sense because I wasn't really there that long. And then I noticed that my dogs were all itching and I looked at them closer and they all have little bites. And so it's in my own stinking backyard. I was so mad. (laughs) So animals can get chiggers too. I didn't realize that. I figured they were too hairy to get into it. I was surprised with the dogs and then the guilt set in. I was like, I'm sorry, you guys have been dealing with this because, you know, they go in the backyard all the time. And I just kind of sporadically go out there now that it's 382 degrees outside approximately. I ended up having to treat the entire backyard, which I was not real jazzed about doing. But fortunately, I just I treated the turf. You know, I didn't spray up on any of the flowering plants. I'm trying to conserve some of my beneficials and my pollinators and all of that stuff, but the turf definitely had to get treated. And it was just something I picked up, put it on the end of the garden hose, all the animals inside, sprayed that out, let it dry. And then everything's been fine since then. It's been, it's been really nice. (laughs) So I have um, two kind of follow-up questions to that. One, what active ingredient do you, I I have a favorite, but I wonder if you have another favorite, what active ingredient do you tend to look for, for chiggers? And then like, what are the places that we, I don't think we've talked about the places where chiggers are. Cause we keep saying when I think I'm going to be into them and stuff, but someone who doesn't know, won't know like what those zones are. Well, you can talk about the zones and the product that I use was a bifenthrin. That's what I always recommend. I don't remember where I learned that but I can really recall that. And I know that's an active ingredient by fenthrin that tends to work best against chiggers. We have people that don't want to use like a residual pesticide or something. If you want something more natural based or whatever, sulfur is another one that people use. I have never used sulfur. So I don't know if it's the dust that you kind of sprinkle the dust out and it does something, or if there's a sulfur spray, I've never used it because sulfur, the smell of it just gross. I don't want my whole entire backyard smelling like that, nor do I want myself smelling like that. So I have never used sulfur myself, but it does show up on a lot of stuff where people use that to treat chiggers. Brian, do you want to talk about the chigger feeding and what that does and whatnot? Sure. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about how that one state is the only one responsible for feeding not just on humans. So it's actually a large variety of animals. There's, I've read rabbits, toads, some toads. Yeah. Toads. That's crazy. Which I think helps to explain how they move around the more urban areas. So if you have, you know, your urban landscape, you have one area of grass that you maybe don't mow down or say it's spring and you're watering quite often. This is what happened out here at our office, actually, we had a little plot of land. It was getting watered pretty well. We had tilled it up. Some weeds took over and I let them grow to about eight inches long. And then I go to pick them. And that day, 
boom, struck with, <laughs> I, I should say that night, the realization that I got into chiggers. And so what you're feeling whenever you start reacting, you have that itching sensation. I think a lot of people are under the impression that they've got a mite burrowed down into their skin. Um, and that's not the case with chiggers. As they climb onto you, whenever you're out, they will kind of explore the body, look for those tight-fitted but thin skin areas. So like you mentioned, around the ankles, back of the legs, they love those humid, dark, tight areas. And they will start feeding by placing their mouth parts. They insert their mouth parts and inject uh, different digestive enzymes that essentially are going to rupture your skin cells. And they will slurp up all those juices and fall off. Correct me if I'm wrong, that feeding time can take hours. It can, it can take quite a while. Once they're done feeding, they fall off and the cycle continues. You start reacting a couple of hours later with that intense itching sensation and scratching does not help at all. If anything, you're going to lead to secondary infection. Essentially, when you are getting to the point of that red, well, itchy thing on your body, the chigger is gone. It's either fallen off, brushed off with your clothing or hands, or you've showered since then. And so it's gone. From what I've read, it's your body breaking down that little feeding tube thingy that has been created by their digestive enzymes. And so that's kind of what is causing the swelling, the redness and the itchiness. And so it's just taking time to kind of have your body process that and kind of get rid of it. Yeah. So the urban legend, old wives tale about putting nail polish over it to suffocate it is might make you feel better, but it's not actually doing anything to the chiggers. Yeah. My mom used to always tell me that. I always got into chiggers as a kid. No, just put some nail polish on and it'll be fine. Vaseline. My father still fights with me about it. And I'm like, I'm an expert. <laughs> or uh, bleach baths, vinegar baths. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Vinegar, maybe, but bleach, that's so bad for you. I could see vinegar like cooling almost or like... Mm -hmm calming the area, yeah. uh, not necessarily making it ha less habitable for the mite, because as we've said, the mite would have fallen off by this point. It's really very similar, maybe even no different from the way you react after a mosquito bites you. You know, some people, the welt is immediate and it's itchy. Others or different species, it bites and you don't really start itching until hours later, but it's kind of the same concept. You're reacting to the spit that they put in you. It's not you, you reacting to them physically on you. And so if you're confused and don't know, oh, am I dealing with mosquitoes or chiggers? You can have, you know, prolific mosquito bites all over your legs. My telltale sign is if you've got bites that are kind of in your waist region tend to be it's like no this is a chigger incident uh, and sometimes that can look like hives i mean it can be really intense you can have 20 bites you could have five bites i always hear gardeners will get it um, and i know that they will like under the armpits or even just wherever you're squatting bending and the clothes are fitting tight so even across even if it's not a woman with the bra strap, but across the back, but armpits. I mean, can you imagine having an itch in there? That's pretty miserable. Yeah. Under the armpit is terrible. And then putting deodorant on, on top of that. <laughs> Ugh. So we talked a little bit about habitats. I think we were going to elaborate, and this is going to feed into also the hosts and how they're coming into your lawn. For those of you in the more urban environment, if you're in a more rural environment, same thing kind of applies. I think you 
just have a more likelihood. So these areas that are kind of unmaintained, dense vegetation, they like that kind of shady, moist soil habitat. It doesn't have to be, when I say moist, it doesn't have to be like green. It could be kind of that pasture land. But point is, if you have a yard and you are mowing consistently, getting that grass down and getting the sun down into that soil, heating it up. That's one form of, of prevention that I've come across. Would y'all agree with that or suggest mm -hmm. something else? Yeah. I've always said it's kind of these transition zones or edge habitats where you have dense foliage and then kind of a bare spot. So it might be uh, maybe you've got an acre or a couple acres or whatnot. And so you you have it landscaped and kind of mowed down directly around the house. But then just beyond that, you have the weeds and grasses that are high. Or think of a, a trail at a park where on either side of the trail, the the foliage is kind of higher. And so that's where those chiggers tend to really enjoy being. And the minute you kind of step into that zone, then they they find you. But pushing that edge zone further away from where you're going to be spending time will be helpful. So just general avoidance and mowing things down, those are kind of cultural control practices beyond pesticide use. And that kind of goes for a wide range of, of pests, insects and arachnids. So also with like tick management in the yard, keeping that grass mowed down and not letting your plot of land get <laughs> too unkempt for a while. Mm -hmm. Overgrown. Right. But we three, I think, have kind of been part of some emails where community gardens are having an issue with chiggers, or that's the suspect at least. So I've never really thought of chiggers as being in a vegetable garden necessarily, but I suppose if it's lush enough, they could be there. And then as you're bending over and gardening and pulling, you know, grabbing things in there, you're coming in contact with them. So we have a lot of rabbits here and they love to nest up under I mean, it's right next to where we had the problem. I wonder if that's related, if, if any rodents or- Oh, like they're kind of carrying Yeah, carry in. them into those yeah. areas. Yeah. I could see that happening. Do y'all know how many species of chiggers we have? And are they kind of more or less host-specific, but then will be opportunistic on others? Like maybe specific to rodents like a rabbit? Or do they just not care? Are, are all chiggers kind of like, if you've got blood, you are yummy? <laughs> Chiggers aren't feeding on blood, are they? Don't they feed on like the skin cells that they're breaking down? Yes, that's know. correct. Yeah, no, no blood. They feed on the skin cells that are digested with their salivary juices. But what I saw is that there's multiple species. I saw up to 12 species. And I do believe that they're, I'm trying to find the fact sheet that AgriLife put out. There was only two species that affect humans, but then there's other specific species like on poultry. I guess other more common. So could those ones on poultry go ahead over to humans and like just bite and be irritating? I know because I'm just thinking about the backyard chicken people.
Several species of chiggers occur in Texas, but only two are troublesome. So there's the Eutrombicula genus is the two species that affect us are in that genus. Okay, so the human ones are in the same genera. Yes. But just different species. Could you imagine, I, this is just one of those like random things that popped into my head. It's bad enough trying to identify mites, but the first stage of a mite outside of an egg, I just, they would be so stinking tiny and ridiculous. I just can't even imagine. Yeah. And like, how would you collect them? It'd be an accident. <laughs> that would be terrible. Because even... it's not like, I mean, with like ticks and stuff, you can do like the the sheet drag and traps and what, but with chiggers, it's you, I don't know. I don't know how you would collect those. I don't know either. Right off the body, maybe. Oh, that would be terrible. Skin yeah. scrapings. Eutrombicula is the genus. There's two species within that genus. The rest of the genus prefers birds, reptiles, or rodents, or other small mammals as hosts in that one nymphal stage. Or, sorry, larval stage. And why it's called a larval stage, it's mite, so it has incomplete metamorphosis, but it is called a larva because... With mites, the first stage out of the egg on some of those are going to have six legs instead of eight like normal mites do. And they're pretty much, they're not, I don't want to say they're microscopic, but I, but they pretty much are right. But yeah, I know some people, if they have really good eyes can see them. I know I have never seen one with my eyes, but there's no way I would be able to. Yeah. I've heard that the adults you can see, but yeah, as far as the larva, it's like, like you have to be very strategic about collecting them on like paper and then observing them. Yeah. You're not going to see them crawling on your skin. And <laughs> if you're out hunting or something and you look down and you see a little red mite on you, it's probably a clover mite. They usually like come out of the grass. And if you're real still, you'll see them on you. But if you're seeing what you think are chiggers, you're probably not unless you're Superman and you have really good eyes. I've, I've heard that the difference in the clover mite and the chigger mite. So clover mites are, they're almost like a neon orange red, right? Like they're, they're really bright. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty, and they're like velvety almost is, well, there is a velvet mite. Too. So I think that's the, I think chiggers are also velvety, right? That's like a, an adult. Maybe I'm wrong there. If I am wrong, I told all of North Texas the wrong information. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> well, I don't know. But there are velvet mites that are pretty good size and they are really velvety. And if I remember correctly, we had a kid that turned one in for one of the 4-H collections years ago. And Charles Allen, our former associate department head, he was really impressed by it. But it was big. It was pretty big. And it looked like velvet. It was like you, it was big enough that you could see that it was fuzzy. Have you heard of concrete mites or is that the clover mite as well? I'm reading up the the clover mite versus velvet mite. So clover mites are more subdued in color. They're more of a reddish brown. Some are actually greenish brown and they have pale orange legs. And then the velvet mites are larger. They're predaceous and they are bright red and they are often mistakenly identified as a clover mite. You said a what? A concrete mite? Yes, concrete mite. I don't know if I've ever heard of a concrete mite. <laughs> huh? Look at that. Also a predaceous mite, but small. It looks like itty bitty. Well, not itty bitty, but pretty small. So probably not as big as a. For sure, not as big as a velvet mite, but a maybe more of like a clover mite. 
we know that chiggers are going to cause these intense pustules that itch and they can be all over the body. What about any sort of diseases? Should people be worried that they can get a disease from any chigger bites? When, not from them directly, but it's like you mentioned earlier, the secondary infection from scratching and possibly introducing bacteria or something into the wound that way right. can be problematic. Right. They don't inject any sort of pathogens that are going to cause disease in, in human. Nothing to worry about in that sense. So as long as you can keep your hands off. <laughs> Good luck. I've also heard of that. What is the, the ointment, that pink ointment? Oh, I can't think of the name. Oh, Ben, the, the cal- calamine, calamine lotion. lotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that that will be more calming to the skin. That's what I always had to put on my poison ivy stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, so antihistamines. It seems like this summer, I have had more calls, more emails, more people commenting about them than in the past. Is it, I guess we can, uh, we can blame everything on weather always, but (laughs) is it because we had a good, decent amount of rain early in the spring and into the early part of the summer? But I mean, the faucet's been turned off. The soil's pretty darn dry. Is it just kind of the remnants of a lot of eggs survived? And so we just have a whole lot more of them, even though the soil's pretty hard and compact? I think that's the case, that the environmental conditions were really good at the beginning of the season, which established a large population. And we're just kind of seeing that trickling effect. Do you think it also might have something to do with since it is drying out and those areas of moisture are kind of they're drying up and so it made those populations into certain areas and they're concentrated. Yeah. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. really kind of patchy. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're in Texas. So mind you, when we talk about seasonality or the life cycle, chiggers can have multiple life cycles. And even further, as you go down South, right, they can be present almost year round. Or multiple generations. Yeah, multiple generations. Sorry. So we're talking, I guess, mid to late spring into late fall here. Definitely late summer, but they can, again, it depends on the weather. They can go into fall. And if we have a winter like that one where we had like 90 degrees in December, then it can probably go that far too. Yeah. That's all we have about chiggers. Hopefully you can avoid chigger areas or if you have forethought and you're going hiking or camping or something like that, you can make sure that you take long pants and boots and socks and kind of keep yourself protected. You might also want to think about some DEET repellent to spray on your shoes and boots to keep them off if you're moving around in those possible chigger infested areas. If you have questions, you can email us. I do not know what the email address is. Bugsbytheyard at gmail.com. Oh, there we go. And we will catch you next time. Howdy to our listeners and fellow bug nerds. We want to take the time to tell you to check out our show notes on each episode and for more information and supplemental materials on the topics covered. Additionally, if you have any questions or recommendations for what you may want to learn more about, you can send us an email to www.bugsbytheyard at gmail.com. 
If you enjoy this content and would like to learn more about structural pests that may invade your home, check out our other podcasts, Unwanted Guests, brought to you by Texas A&M University AgriLife Extension and the Department of Entomology. As always, please subscribe or follow the podcast feed to make sure you never miss an episode.